Hello and welcome to Clean Tech and Sustainability. This is a two-part podcast from Standard Chartered, looking at the Inflation Reduction Act and transferable tax credits. I'm your host, Chloe Tilly, and in this first episode, we're going to be focusing on the purpose of the IRA, specifically a new profitable opportunity for corporations to support the global clean energy transition. Part two will cover due diligence and executing and monetizing the transferable tax credit opportunities offered by the Act. Now I'm joined by two experts to guide us through these topics. Ted Sheen is head of Clean Tech Americas at Standard Chartered. Hi Ted. Hi Chloe, glad to be here. Good to have you with us. Also with us is David Burton, who is a partner at the global law firm Norton Rose Fulbright. Hi David. Hello Chloe, nice to be here. Good to have you too. Well, Ted, let's begin by talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, signed, of course, by President Biden back in 2022. It is the most significant climate legislation in US history. What does it set out to do? I think the overall goal for the IRA is to spur investment in the US in domestic energy supply, both from an energy security and climate change perspective. And this goes through 2032 and beyond for many tax incentives and government incentives. The approximate number is about $370 billion in terms of incentives provided by the U.S. government. And it's really centered around decarbonization of the existing new domestic energy supply. So things like renewables, energy storage, and hydrogen, EVs, etc. And also there's an industrial policy element to reshore a lot of our manufacturing base here in the U.S. for clean tech specific technologies such as solar manufacturing, wind manufacturing, EV and battery manufacturing. So overall, overall the IRA provides long-term visibility into the tax credit scheme for the US and other incentives, which provides good guidance for private investments to invest in these long-lived assets and infrastructure. David, do you want to come in on that? Yes, I agree with what Ted said. Uh, one thing is that the 370 billion is not a cap. It's just what was estimated that it would cost the government. So. If we go over 370 billion, you're not cut off. The other thing is that the credits last until the um, carbon reduction goals set in the law are satisfied, or at least 10 years. But the analysts are saying it's unlikely we're going to satisfy those carbon reduction goals in the next 10 years. And some analysts are saying it could be decades before those goals are met. Uh, so it's possible that my grandchildren could be working with this law. The other thing that I would add is that it also wants to uh, fulfill President Biden's promise of green jobs being good jobs and requires uh, paying prevailing wage, basically, mean you don't have to use union wages, but union workers may have to pay union wages and apprentice programs to rebuild the blue collar job base of the United States. Uh, so that's another part of it. So Ted, can you explain to us what's the difference between IRA transferable tax credits compared to previous tax credit regimes in renewables? Broadly speaking, at very high level for our audience, I think what's important is prior to the IRA, it was very difficult for developers who are developing renewable and other clean tech projects to monetize the tax credits and incentives associated with their projects. Just to give you a simple example, say you had a 100 megawatt wind farm and then it produces 10 years worth of production tax credits. You cannot sell those tax credits to another third party prior to the IRA. You would actually have to partner what we call tax equity, which is a kind of a big rabbit hole for the layperson or the non-expert in this field. But tax equity structure by which you would have to partner with a sophisticated financial institution, typically U.S. bank or a similar institution like a life insurance company 
that would in essence participate in your project before the commercial operation date and take a kind of an ownership position, a hybrid equity position by which they would then have access to the tax credits and then able to monetize them. The reason this structure is in place is because the renewable developer typically would not be able to use the tax credits because they typically did not have a taxable income during the year. So you'd actually have to have taxable income to monetize the tax credit. And that's why this kind of complicated structure came about. Now you're allowed to, as a renewable developer or clean tech developer, to actually sell the tax credits on a one-time basis to a third party. And the third party, which is going to be typically now going to be a, hopefully a corporate buyer, so a large corporate. And that is something that you can sell on a one-time basis. It's a much easier due diligence process, much easier to kind of understand from a typical corporate treasurer or, or CFO perspective. I can apply it to my taxes. It's return accredited to me. I can pay a, a bit of discount, say 90 to 95 cents on the dollar for this tax credit. That's a visible that I can monetize this from the developer's perspective and also from the ultimate buyer's perspective. David, your thoughts? Tax equity hasn't gone away completely. It's still the preferable way to do it. It's a better financial result for the developer than tax credit transfers. But uh, there's a lot of transactions and a lot of smaller developers that aren't able to do it or have other reasons for wanting to do transferability. So transferability is an, an additional option and enhancement. And it's been very critical, very important. Uh, we've closed a number of transactions involving transferability. It's an important uh, shift in the market. I mean, I guess in terms of pre and post, I'd describe it really as before the only option was a relatively complicated structured finance transaction. And now transferability at its core is really a bill of sale, not that different than what you'd use to purchase an automobile. It's a much longer contract, but fundamentally it's a bill of sale, like purchasing an automobile, which makes it much easier and simpler. Uh, the contracts are still longer than I'd like to see them. They're tens of pages, and I think we could probably get it down to you know, 10 pages instead of multiples of 10 pages, but uh, it is a lot easier than hundreds of pages of complicated tax equity transaction contracts with multiple uh, contractual relationships and different parties. Uh, so it, it is a much easier process. David, you advise clients on a, a whole wide range of US tax matters with an emphasis on project finance and energy transactions. Just explain to us how wide is the scope of this relatively new law and its eligibility requirements? It's pretty broad. So all energy tax credits can be transferred. Um, there are tax credits under US law that can't be transferred. For instance, uh, research and development tax credits or low-income housing tax credits do not qualify under this program but all energy tax credits do. Uh, so it, it's a broad program and we're seeing a lot of interest in it, both from developers and from corporates and banks and, and insurance companies, as Ted mentioned, uh, that would like to reduce their effective tax rate by buying tax credits at less than 100 cents on the dollar. Uh, so it's an important and growing development. I think after the fiscal year of the U.S. closes, which for most companies is December 31st, we'll see more buyers because I think some companies will say, okay, my year is over. I now know exactly how much tax I have to pay for the year. Let me go out and match that by buying tax credits. And they can do that even after the year is over so long as they buy them before they file their tax return and before the seller files its tax return, which gives them a number of months. So I think we'll see new entrants come January. And what impact would you say the Inflation Reduction Act has had on tax laws? 
I mean, it's really a very innovative thing that as a tax lawyer, you know, what we used to always worry about was one of these structured finance transactions being recharacterized as a sale of the tax credits. And now Congress has said, we're changing, you know, almost a century of tax law and saying, yes, you can, in fact, you know, sell tax credits. So it's it's a tremendous sea change uh, and really a, a different way of thinking. And it really allows companies that pay taxes but don't want to become energy and structured finance experts just want to you know stick to their retail business or you know their manufacturing business and enter this market when before you know they had to hire all these professionals and figure out complicated accounting and and really become experts and really distract from their day-to-day business now they can just say okay yeah we can negotiate one of these in a couple of days it's not you know simple but it's it's simpler and you know we don't have to be distracted from our core business uh, so it's really a fundamental change. The IRA is a 10-year plan, so clearly changes aren't going to happen overnight. What's the IRS guidance on timelines and the tax implications? Yeah, well, the IRS has put out most of their guidance. Um, right now, for transferability, the, the thing we're actually waiting for is for them to launch their uh, website portal so that buyers and sellers can go on the website portal and register to buy and sell. Uh, so each uh, sale of tax credits has to be registered. The seller registers, the IRS issues registration number. The seller has to put that number on its tax return and give it to the buyer who puts it on its tax return. The IRS has developed that website, but it hasn't launched it yet. It's still testing it, still you know looking for bugs. They've said publicly that they are on track to do that, and we'll see it before the end of the year. They've published at least proposed forms of most of the guidance. Really, the, what things we're waiting on are the hydrogen tax credits guidance and there are disagreements within the u.s government about the policy goals of that they have acknowledged that and said look these are going to be delayed we're trying to sort out kind of tensions between climate policy versus tax policy about hydrogen credits and then the credit we call it the 45x credit which is a credit for manufacturers for manufacturing things like wind turbine blades or uh, solar modules batteries, inverters, other components. We're waiting for that guidance as well. But those factories are being built and people are proceeding, but we are waiting for the actual guidance to know the details of those rules. But you know, wind and solar core credits, we have at least proposed rules and have a pretty good sense as to how they work. And for Fortune 500 Treasury teams, what's the scale of the opportunity presented by the IRA? You have to still pay 25% of your tax. So there's a there's a limit as to how much you can do. You can't really go down to the last dollar. You have to pay 25% of your tax. But rather than paying 100 cents of a dollar, we're seeing these credits trade between 85 and 96 cents of a dollar. The market sets the price. That's just what we're seeing at the moment. Could go up, could go down. Varies a lot based on the quality of the seller, the quality of indemnity. But they can pay less than 100 cents of a dollar to settle their taxes, which... Uh, most uh, corporate treasury departments, you know, would like to do. And Ted, to bring you back in, what illustrations do you have of how organizations in the U.S. have been applying IRA transferable tax credits? Sure. So from the renewables and energy store developer, those kind of been the early adopters were using transferable tax credits. And we've seen companies like Invenergy and Autogrid, both very reputable and leaders in their renewable energy development have entered into transferable tax credit transactions. And the buyers of those have been have been largely energy traders and insurance companies to date for those specific trades that I just mentioned. 
But then we've also seen other developers, as David mentioned, smaller developers selling them to insurance companies on the transferable tax credit basis. It's an early market, but we are seeing increasing momentum. And then at for hybrid structures, we're also seeing kind of a hybrid structure with traditional tax equity and even preferred equity structures by which traditional tax equity providers and other financial sponsors are entering into tax equity or preferred equity structures by which they take some of the tax credits. But since they have the availability now to sell down the tax credits, they can take that principal position, but sell that down over time. David? In terms of the entrance for markets, I, I agree with what Ted says. We've also seen some pharmaceutical companies, some entertainment companies, some some retailers, but mostly financial players and uh, energy companies, but not exclusively. We've seen some others, and I think we'll see more, more different segments of industry enter the market. We have seen some of these so-called hybrid transactions that's mostly in the investment tax credit uh, space. The investment tax credit is based on the tax basis or cost of the project, and therefore, you want a sale of the project at fair market value to step it up from the cost basis to fair market value. So let's say the project costs 80 to build, but has a fair market value of 100. If you want a 30% investment tax credit of $30 rather than $24, you need to sell it for fair market value for that 100. And in the hybrid structures, we're seeing the tax equity investor come in to form a partnership with the developer, the partnership buys the project, and then the taxable investor takes some of the credits, but then also some of the credits are sold if there's more than the taxable investor has has need for. Uh, the credits have to be sold by the partnership, but the taxable investor can help facilitate the sale, be involved in the sale, but the actual sale has to be done by the partnership and not by the taxable investor. And can we look at sort of the wider impact? I mean, I'm thinking, for example, how could the IRA impact economies and businesses in other parts of the world, for example, the European Union or Asian markets? In the U.S., we're trying to boost our manufacturing. So from a very parochial perspective, the hope is to uh, shift manufacturing of some of these components from Asia or Europe to the United States. That'll be a a slow process. And there's enough demand for these renewable energy components to address climate change worldwide that I would think that the European and Asian companies will be able to find other markets. Ted, come in on this. What do you think? From government policy perspective, we're seeing a bit of competition between different regulatory regimes. So the EU has announced their own set of green hydrogen subsidies and other green new deal that they have. So there's a bit of competitive element, which I think raises the stakes for the global clean energy transition. And then from the investment side, as David mentioned, we're seeing a lot of interest from our announcements, frankly, from our global clients to invest in manufacturing in the U.S. to take advantage of the 45X specifically with the advanced manufacturing tax incentives. Also specifically in a, another kind of subsector of hydrogen, we're seeing a lot of interest from offtakes from foreign offtakers, potentially in Europe, Japan and Korea specifically that might be offtakers. And there's also similarly a big interest in investing in notwithstanding the regulatory uncertainty, investing in green hydrogen and in blue hydrogen projects here in the U.S. 
Well, Ted, David, thank you so much for now. Uh, been really good to speak with you. And that is it for this episode. But do make sure you join us for part two, when we're going to be looking at how to execute and monetize the transferable tax credit opportunity presented by the Inflation Reduction Act. Also, if you'd like any further information about the IRA and its tax credit opportunities, you can email theodore.sheen at sc.com. That's theodore.sheen at sc.com. But for now, from me, Chloe Tilly, Thanks for listening and goodbye.